Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. All right. Well, Shabbat Shalom. In the uh, Book of Romans, we just got done with a very long series on the Book of Romans. And in the first five chapters, if you remember, Paul emphasizes how our salvation is solely by God's grace through our faith in Yeshua the Messiah. And so then the next time, after the first five chapters, then Paul's opponents come to him and say, well then, if it's all grace, why don't we just live like the devil? Is that what you're teaching, Paul? Uh, I got an echo here. Can we fix that, please? The sound system? Thank you. So it's all grace, they say. Still got the echo. Okay, uh, it's all grace, and therefore we can just live like the devil, right? So that's your teaching, Paul. So how does Paul respond to this charge? Look at Romans 6, uh, the next chapter, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? May it never be. We are those who died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So this was the argument laid against Paul. And the same argument exist today. Because throughout the body of Messiah today, you have millions of people, especially here in America, who claim to be Yeshua followers, but who live like the devil. They live worldly, godless, carnal lives. Their lives in no practical way are submitted to the word of God. They have no sense of the lordship of Yeshua in their life. They have no concept of their life being directed by the word of God. And what's so frightening uh, in light of this are Yeshua's words in Matthew 7, 23, where he says, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. And the word for iniquity there is the word uh, anomia, uh, literally you lawless ones. And what Yeshua was saying is depart from me, you who claim to be my disciples, and yet you live as though I never gave you a law to obey. Well, David, disobedience of which laws will deprive one from the kingdom of God? There's, there's, there's hundreds of laws out there. Well, Paul gives us specific lists. Uh, here's one of them. First uh, Corinthians 6, verse 9. Don't you know that wrongdoers will not inherit the Malkut HaShemayim, the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor practicing homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And this list describes so many self-professing believers today. Indeed, when you ask them about the Word of God uh, and the teachings of Yeshua and how it affects their life, it doesn't. And that's what Yeshua was talking about here in Matthew 7. Depart from me, you who claim to be my disciples, but you live in defiance to my basic moral laws. You whose heart is bent on, on evil thoughts, which then issues forth in evil deeds and evil speech. And so we cannot blindly rely on some past confession of faith. Because Yeshua will say to many uh, who confessed his name, depart from me, I never knew you. 
Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Well, then who will? But only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Okay, David, are you saying that, that not everyone's a believer who, who, who confesses Yeshua is their Lord? They're not entering into the kingdom of heaven? No, I'm not saying that. The Bible is. Yeshua is saying that. Okay? Well, then how do you know if you're really entering into the kingdom of heaven? How do I know if I'm entering into the kingdom of heaven? Yeshua says, oh, that's easy. The one who does the will of my Father. Okay, David, are you saying salvation is done by works? No, absolutely not. Let me put this on the overhead. Salvation is a supernatural work of God that we must enter into by faith and faith alone. But here's the next overhead. But since it's a a supernatural work of God, by which God literally changes our nature, the expression of one who's truly born again, by definition, is going to be a new life, characterized by a new lifestyle. Of obedience and sanctification. Here's the next overhead. The evidence that you one time, a long time ago, repented is that you're still repenting. The evidence that you one time, long ago, believed unto salvation is that you're still believing today. The evidence that you one time, long ago, truly turned from sin is that you are still turning from sin today. And you're growing in godliness. If Yeshua began a good work in you, he will finish it. Well, David, are you saying that believers can never stumble? No, I'm not saying that at all. They can stumble. Stumble. We often do stumble. But if you're a true Yeshua follower, God will discipline you, according to Hebrews 12, and he will bring you back. But if you have no discipline... Hebrews 12 says you're not a child of God. And yet there are countless individuals today in our churches and synagogues and congregations who live carnal, ungodly lives with no real evidence or measure of Yeshua's discipline in their life. Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that the grace may increase? God forbid, may it never be. No. We are those who died to sin, so how can we live in it any longer? Paul is using very strong language here. He says, should we keep on sinning? By no means. God forbid. And then verse 2, we see Romans 6, 2, he says, how, who we, uh, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Paul is talking here about what I'm going to call, what the theologians call, the lost doctrine of regeneration. This key doctrine has all but been lost today, even among otherwise evangelical, conservative, Bible-believing congregations. Evangelism today is all about decision, 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 right? Make your decision for Yeshua. Salvation has come down to someone, in the power of their own will, making a decision for Messiah. It's almost like salvation is merely a decision to jump out of one line that's going to hell, and jump into this other line that's going to heaven. And that's it. Just fire insurance. Just your get-out-of-jail-free card. And anyone who's verbally made that decision, we tell them, well, well, you're born again now. But we have no concept of what being born again really means. 
born again or born from above is the doctrine of regeneration. The Bible says we are dead in our sins. Dead. Not kind of dead. Uh, not partially dead. Not, not almost dead. Not sort of dead. No, we are spiritually dead. And regeneration means we're made alive. We were spiritually dead to God. Okay, what does that mean? Well, suppose I have up here on the stage with me uh, a dead man. Okay, a corpse is lying on the stage. He's lying here, dead. And I say to him, Sir, hear me. There's this great hospital very close to here, not far, just down the road from here. And they got these amazing electrodes that they can put on your chest. Uh, and though it may be painful, they'll, they'll shock you back to life. So, sir, sir, get up and come with me right now to the hospital. What's wrong with you? Thought I'd be dead all your life? <laughs> come on, get up. <laughs> Please, now. Now, all that's ridiculous, right? Well, so is much of our evangelism today. Can you imagine us 2,000 years ago standing in the front of the tomb of Lazarus? Lazarus, come forth. Nothing happens. Okay, you try it. Nothing happens. We stand there all day yelling for Lazarus. Nothing is going to happen. Why? Because Lazarus can't hear us. Because he's dead. I'm told that's one of the detriments of being dead. Can't hear us. <laughs> now Yeshua, he comes up to the tomb. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And he, and he does. Why? Because when Yeshua says, Lazarus, come forth, he also imparts into Lazarus the life to stand up and to hear. And that's what we've got to understand. When you and I preach the gospel, we cannot motivate or manipulate or cajole anyone into new life in Yeshua. Whether our role is to function like a modern-day prophet, standing in a valley full of dry bones, and God looks at you and says, can these bones live? And you respond, you know, Lord. And the Spirit of God says to you, well, then call upon the wind. Speak to these bones. The Spirit of God must move upon them. And that's the problem with so much of the body of Messiah in America today. We think that salvation is just some little human decision. But the reality is it is a supernatural work of God that he calls us to participate in by preaching his gospel. By nature, unsaved men hate God, the true God, the God of the Bible. And therefore, they will not come to him on their own. You know, in Genesis 37.4, it says, Joseph's brothers, put it in the overhead, please. Uh, Genesis 37.4, Joseph's brothers hated him they could not speak a kind word to him. We got the overheads? Uh, next, go to the next one. Uh, Genesis 37.4. Oh, all right. So Joseph's brothers couldn't speak a kind word to him. They hated him. Well, didn't they have lips? Didn't they have tongues? Yes. So why couldn't they speak a good word to him? Because they hated him. So it's like this. You tell someone, you need to forgive this person. They say, I can't. Why not? Uh, I just can't. They, they've done me wrong. What are they saying? They're saying the animosity and the bitterness and the hatred in my heart keeps me from forgiving them. 
That's why we can, uh, when we say you know, man on his own can't come to God, uh, they can't come to God because they won't come to God. And they won't come to God because God is holy and they are wicked and they hate God's righteous standard. So Yeshua says the same thing in John 3, 19. We got the overheads working. Here we go. John three nineteen. Uh, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. All those who do evil hate the light and won't come into the light. Why? Lest their deeds be exposed. Men are evil, so the more they see of God and his law, the more they hate God and pick against his moral law. That's why it's impossible for anyone to come to God unless the Spirit draws them. You know, uh, last week, last Sunday, when Andrew Wilson and I but a young man, uh, Jeffrey, uh, to the Lord at, at Firewheel Mall last Sunday. We were out witnessing with our teams. It wasn't because Andrew and I had such eloquent speech. No. It was because the Spirit of God was drawing him. And you could see it plainly on that guy's face. And his demeanor uh, and his openness. We were just participants. Uh, and humbled that God would use us, flawed, sinful men, to participate in this supernatural work of God. We were simply stepping out in faith to help fulfill Yeshua's great commission. The harvest field is clearly ripe for the harvest. And God is calling each of us to be workers in his field, to bring in the plentiful crop. But ultimately, it's the Spirit of God that resurrects people. Just like the Spirit of God brought, brought the, the, the dead bones back to life in Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones. We can show people Yeshua, and we're commanded to show them Yeshua, but they're blind and they can't see him without the Spirit of God giving them sight. So what has to happen for someone to be saved? You know, A preacher, meaning you and I, must preach the gospel and call men to repent. Romans 10, 14. How can they believe in the one in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? But then the Spirit of God must come upon the hearer and do exactly what Ezekiel says. Look at Ezekiel 36, 26. God says to Ezekiel, I'll give you a, uh, a new heart. I put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a soft heart, a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you. And make you follow my decrees. And be careful to keep my laws. The Spirit of God must take away the heart of stone. Your heart of stone. My heart of stone. Well, what's a heart of stone? Here here is an example. Let's take the biggest, strongest man in the whole state of Texas. And make a statue of stone out of him. I'm going to come up to the statue. I'm going to punch it. uh, I'm going to kick him. I'm going to pinch him. He's not going to do anything to me. Why? Because a statue of stone's not alive. It's an inanimate object. It can't respond to stimuli. And Ezekiel says that's the heart of natural man. We have by nature a heart of stone. And so on our own, we can't respond to the gospel. But the Lord through Ezekiel says, I'll remove your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh meaning a heart that's alive and soft and receptive and then can respond to the gospel. The Lord says, I'm going to recreate your heart 
and the image of God and true righteousness and holiness. I'm going to open your eyes to my truth so that you can respond to the gospel, to the good news of Yeshua the Messiah, my son, who is God in the flesh, come to you through his shed blood to atone for your sins. Now, I won't force you, but I will give you the ability to respond. And once you respond, I will fill you with my spirit and I'll change you into a new creation from the inside out. And that's why in Roman, here in Romans 6, verse 1 to 2, when people ask Paul, shall we sin that grace may increase? He says, no, God forbid. Why? Because although we were born with a sin nature, and we loved evil, and we hated the light, we now, if we're in Messiah Yeshua, are new creations with a new nature, born from above, born from the Spirit of God. Salvation is a supernatural work of God. Just as the Spirit of God hovered over the the deep of the creation of the world, the Spirit of God indwells those who are are truly born again, who are spiritually recreated. The Spirit of God makes you into a new person. How do you think it's possible for you to, to witness to someone who's drunk or to a drug dealer or a hardened criminal, and all of a sudden, as you're witnessing, he all of a sudden he sees Yeshua. And he's broken over his sin. And he comes running to Messiah. And he becomes a totally new man. It's only possible because the Spirit of God drew him and made him a new creation in Messiah Yeshua. With a new nature. Here's an illustration which I got from Charles Spurgeon. A great great preacher from the 19th century. Imagine I have in front of me a, a plate of the best food in town. Maybe it's the best steak in Dallas or whatever your favorite food is. A five-star gourmet restaurant. And then imagine next to that plate of food, I put a bucket of disgusting garbage. Slop. And then I I let a pig run loose uh, to run towards these two parcels of food. Which meal will the pig choose? He's going to choose the bucket of garbage every time. He's going to stick his head in the bucket a vomitous filth, and he's going to gobble it up. He's going to eat it with delight. He's going to shake his little tail. Why? Because he's a pig, and he therefore has the nature of a pig. Now let's say I could supernaturally turn that pig into a man, change his very nature. He's now a new creature. He's not just a pig who decided to turn over a new leaf. He's not a pig who's gone to finishing school. He's not a pig who's been discipled, but he's supernaturally changed into a man. And there are some things that by nature men cannot eat. So he immediately throws his head out of that, that, that terrible bucket of filth. And the very thing he was gobbling down with delight, he's now throwing up in disgust. And he runs to the lawn, he starts eating grass, doing whatever he can to get that horrible taste out of his mouth, washes his mouth out with water. Then he turns around and he looks at you and he is so ashamed he can hardly bear it. Now with this illustration, I have just described your conversion. If you've been born again, this is an illustration of the transformation that you have had from your old life to your new life. And even if you grew up in the faith and you didn't have a dramatic conversion, This is nonetheless the spiritual reality of what happened to you, and it will be borne out by the fruit in your life.
Because you are a new creation, Messiah Yeshua, as Paul says. Because your salvation is ultimately a supernatural recreating work of God Almighty. And that's why Paul, that's why he can so confidently proclaim in Romans 6, 1 and 2, that a born again believer will not continue in sin that grace may abound. Why? Because you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Messiah Yeshua, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And no one seems to understand this crucial doctrine anymore. If you're truly born again, you're a new creation. Romans 6, verse 2 to 3. How then we who died to sin still live in it. Don't you know that all of us who've been immersed into Messiah Yeshua have been immersed into his death? Immersion or or baptism is the external sign of an internal reality. We go under the water as a sign of being buried with Yeshua. We die to our old man. When you're regenerated by the power of God, your old man dies, that your new man may live. This is Messiah who became sin for us on our behalf, died, that, that we may likewise die to our old sinful self. When the Holy Spirit regenerates your heart, something supernatural happens. You really do become a new creation. You die to your old self, and you're born again into your new self that will produce godly fruit. Verse 4, Romans 6, 4, Therefore we've been buried with him through baptism into death, to the Messiah who was raised from the death of the glory of God, uh, so we too might walk in newness of life. Before you became a true Yeshua follower, uh, you might commit terrible sins. Maybe you, you lied, you cheat, you steal, you get drunk or high, you, you commit immorality and, and fornication, uh, you slander others, you hate others, uh, you're violent, bitter, self-centered, arrogant, mocking, scoffing. And you might later on feel bad about it, vow to change. But sure enough, a week or two later, you're doing the same thing over and over again. Because you have no ability to really change. Until one day, someone shares the gospel with you. What happens? It's gone. That desire for evil is gone. It's no longer you striving in the energy of your flesh to to reform yourself. Rather, it's, I've done all these terrible things before, like, like a pig in, in this bucket of slop. And it's like, how could I have done that? Uh, it now makes me want to vomit. I'm now appalled and ashamed at my old self. My old buddies, they call me up. Hey, David, let's go. It's time to party. And I immediately, I instinctively say, what? No, uh, not interested. I'm say, they say, hey, David, get a grip. It's us. It's your old partying buddies. And I say, I know, but it's not me anymore. It's no longer me. I'm a new person. And that's a sign of someone who has truly believed unto salvation. Salvation is a supernatural work that changes your very nature. So if it really happens, fruit will be evident in your life. Now here's an opposite example. By the way, can we get the uh, air conditioning turned on? It's really hot up here. So here's the opposite example, all too common in the body of Messiah today, especially in America. Here's a guy who hasn't been to shul in five years. A uh, new rabbi comes in. The new rabbi decides to visit him. Uh, the guy welcomes him into his home. Rabbi, welcome, welcome. He's very cordial to him. The rabbi says, I'm new here, but I understand you, you haven't been to shul in five years. 
The guy says, yeah, that's right. I know I should be in shul on Shabbat, but I just like playing games and sports on, on Saturday. But Rabbi, you're right, I really need to go to shul. The rabbi says, yeah, I also hear you, you've been drinking a lot, and you get drunk every weekend. The guy says, yeah, Rabbi, you're right. I just love to drink. I know I shouldn't drink. I'm going to stop doing that. And the rabbi says, I also hear you've been cheating on your wife. The guy says, yeah, Rabbi, I just love the women. I can't help myself. But I know it's wrong, and I know I need to stop. I need to stop chasing women. You're right, Rabbi. I just need to get, I just need to get right with God. I need to go back to shul. I need to do the right thing. Well, next Shabbat, to everyone's surprise and delight, this guy returns to shul. Everybody's rejoicing. The lost sheep has come home. No. A goat has just entered the shul. Because do you hear what he's really saying? He's saying, you're right, Rabbi. I need to stop doing all the wicked things that I love and start doing all these righteous things that I hate in order to go to heaven. That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying between the lines. But that's not the gospel. You don't see a new creation there, do you? You don't see a new heart or a new nature. You see the old sinful nature temporarily being restrained, uh, being held back, trying to reform itself in order to buy his ticket into heaven. But he really doesn't want God. He really doesn't love God. He just wants to check whatever box he has to check to avoid going to hell. He's not a sheep. He's still a goat. And that's the trouble with much American theology today. Most people think being that the believer's life is struggling to be something you're not. It's actually the opposite. It's being who you truly are now. A new creation. So that through our death and resurrection of the Messiah, we might walk in newness of life. If you're reborn in Yeshua, not only has your old man died, but your new man, a new man has come to take his place. That heart of stone is removed, and a heart of flesh is recreated in you, a heart that will now respond to God. Why? So that you may walk in newness of life. Romans 6, 6. Knowing that our old self was crucified with him, in order that this body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Notice Paul says, our old self was crucified with Messiah. This is not just some future promise. Paul says it's a present reality. If you are truly a believer, your old self was crucified with Yeshua, in order that your body of sin might be done away with, so that you would no longer be a slave to sin. Now, does this mean you're now perfect? No. Uh, in fact, according to 1 John 1, uh, as believers, you know, as a believer, you're now more and more aware of and more and more sensitive to the sin that's still in your life, which leads you to confession and repentance. Look at 1 John 1, 1 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. Let me put this on the overhead. There's a huge difference between a believer fighting and struggling against sin and growing in sanctification and a person who just calls himself as a believer 
but who lives continuously in a state of slavery to sin with no power to overcome it. Romans 6, verse 7. For he who died is, is freed from sin. Now hear me well. If you're a true believer, your very nature has changed. You may ask, well, then why do I still struggle with sin? You still struggle with sin because this new nature of yours is still housed in a body of unredeemed flesh. And you still have the old habits of sin that you you have to die to. But realize this. Your old body of sin, your old fallen nature, is no longer your reality. That's not who you are. Because if you're in Messiah Yeshua, you've been regenerated. Because you, you have a new heart. You're a new creation. All things have passed away. All things are new. So it's no longer that you need to try and struggle to live like something that you're really not. No. Rather, you need to renew your mind uh, and live like who you really are. You're no longer your old self. Uh, that man, that woman is dead. You are a new creation, Messiah Yeshua. Romans 6, verse 11. Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Messiah Yeshua. Why? Why? Why do we consider ourselves like this? Because if you're in Yeshua, you really are dead to sin. You really are alive to God. It's a spiritual reality in your life. That's what regeneration, that's what being born again means. You have a new nature. And therefore, you will change. You will be different. You will grow in holiness. And you will bear fruit. And if you're not, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourself. Don't you know that Messiah Yeshua is in you? Unless you indeed fail the test. That's why he says in Romans 6, 2, how will you die to sin and still live in it? He talks about being immersed in Yeshua's death and raised to newness of life. And that's why he can then say in verse 11, Romans 6, 11, consider yourself to be dead to sin but alive to God in Messiah Yeshua. Why? Because you really are. You're living now with a new reality, a new realm. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Messiah, and therefore it's no longer I who live, but Messiah lives in me. Romans 6.12, therefore don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you, must, that you obey its lust. If you understand this glorious truth that you've been regenerated, You've been born again from above. Then then when you see sin heading towards you, tempting you, you'll be able to boldly say no. You'll be able to resist it and flee from it uh, as you declare, that's no longer who I am. That's not who I am. I am a a new creation in Messiah Yeshua. And that's one of the secrets of victory over sin in your life. Hallelujah. You've got to understand that sin is promising you temporary worldly pleasure. But ultimately, you receive no pleasure from it whatsoever. No more than a man who sticks his head in a bucket of vomitous filth. Your new nature will be repulsed by this proposed sin. You will see it for the, for, for, for the repulsive slop uh, and the ridiculous trap that it is. Most people think that the believing life is denying yourself all these great worldly pleasures so that you can get to heaven. But if you're a new creation, these worldly pleasures are no longer a pleasure. Now, can we as believers be temporarily deceived? Yes, we can. But it's a deception. 
When you stop renewing your mind in the Word of God, when you stop fellowshipping with other believers, godly people, when you stop thinking godly thoughts and taking every thought captive, when you allow the world to influence you, then yes, you can go out and you can put your head right in a bucket of sin and bite down. But if you're a believer, the moment you do this, you know you're wrong. And you know it's sickening. Now you may continue to chop down for a while and, and your dullness of, and your hardness of heart and your confusion and your stubbornness. But sooner or later, if you're a true believer, you will vomit it up. Why? Because you are a new creation. Here's an example. A guy's lost. He's an unbeliever. He's going to work. Uh, he's late. It's raining outside. Uh, the papers are falling out of his briefcase. Uh, he hasn't had breakfast. Uh, he's hurrying to get out of the door. He trips over the cat. At the last moment, he set his hand on the door, and his wife says, Honey, can you take the trash out? He spins around. He yells, Cat, you see I'm late for work. My papers are falling out. I can't get the door open. I've got deadlines at the office. How come you always wait to the last minute to tell me to take the trash out? I'm sick of it. Take it out yourself. And he jumps in his car, fully justified in his own mind, drives off for work. Not a second thought in his mind. No conviction of any sin for how he's treated his wife. Now let's say this guy truly gets saved. Truly gives his life to Yeshua. He's born again. Same scenario. Uh, he's late for work. Papers under his arms are falling out. Uh, no breakfast. It's raining outside. He's kicking the cat. <laughs> he's flustered. He's in a hurry. Needing to make an important meeting on time. He reaches for the doorknob. His wife says, Honey, can you take the trash out? <laughs> Without thinking, he just loses it. He loses his temper, yells out, What's wrong with you? Can't you see I'm late for work? Uh, and it's pouring rain outside? Uh, my boss is going to give me hell. How come every time that I'm late going out the door, at the last second, you ask me to take out the trash? I'm sick of it. You're just like your mother. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> That's <was> fighting words. <laughs> Now, wait a minute, David. I thought you just said this guy was now saved. He's acting just the same like before you were saved. Here's the difference. In the moment he does this, it's like a knife through his heart. It's like he just gulped down a bucket of swap. Maybe he leaves the house without saying anything. Maybe in his stubbornness of heart, uh, for the moment, he gets in his car and even drives off to work. And maybe he even makes it partway through the day. But finally, he can't stand it anymore because the Holy Spirit is convicting him and speaking to him and will not let him go. He has no peace. God is coming in to discipline him. But since he's now a real child of God, God no longer comes in just to be his judge. He comes in as his father. And the conviction is so heavy upon him, he finally calls up his wife and apologizes. Honey, I have sinned. I lost my temper. I insulted you. I verbally assaulted you. Please forgive me. I was wrong. No excuse. Now, why did that happen? He still lives in this body of flesh. And he still has ingrained habits of sin. He lives in a world of sin. He's been trained in sin all his life. So he spins around in a moment of anger and he lashes out verbally. But the moment he does it, the reality that he's no longer that same old man hits home. 
He's a different man. And therefore, he can't stomach his behavior anymore. He's changed. He's no longer his own. He's been bought with a price. He's been recreated in Messiah's image, in true righteousness and holiness. And therefore, he's driven to confession and repentance. Because the reality of who he is now in Messiah comes home to him. He's a new person with a new nature, with a new heart, and the Spirit of God now lives inside of him. Romans 6.11, even so, consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Messiah Yeshua. How do you grow in this? By renewing your mind. You were born again in the midst of enemy territory. Your flesh still screams at you. The world still screams at you. The devil still screams at you. And the world and the flesh and the devil accuse you that you're nothing different. But it's a lie. Because you've been born again by the very will and power of God. So you now have all the power in the universe to resist the world, the flesh, and the devil. You need to now renew your mind by hearing from the word of God over and over again that your old man has died, has been crucified. You've been risen with Messiah. You're a new creation. And you've been given the Holy Spirit. God has put his spirit, the spirit of Messiah, in you. It's like the story of this little eaglet that falls out of the nest, lands in the middle of a chicken coop. All he ever sees his whole life are our chickens. So what does he do? He starts walking like a chicken, acting like a chicken, eating like a chicken. One day an eagle flies over. The little eaglet looks up and says, wow, that's something. What is that? Never seen anyone fly like that. And the eagle looks down and says, what on earth is that? <laughs> so he flies down, says to the eaglet, hey, what are you doing? What do you mean what I'm doing? Oh, why are you living here in this chicken coop? Why are you walking like that? What are you doing? Well, this is who I am. I'm a chicken. No, it's not who you are. You're not a chicken. Stop it. Stop acting like that. In the same way, many of you need to repent from believing a lie about yourself. You're not an innocent victim if you believe a lie. You're a transgressor if you believe a lie. That's what Adam and Eve did. They believed a lie. Do you believe the lie that that your conversion really isn't all that powerful? That godliness is not possible? That walking with Yeshua the way he walked is not a reality? Just some pipe dream? God never gave you the power to do it? Well, the eagle goes, come on, you can fly like me. The little eaglet says, well, I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. The eagle finally has to grab him with his talons, fly him up in the air, and let him go. And lo and behold, the eaglet begins to fly. (laughs) Wow, I can really do this, he says. This is who I am. I never knew I could walk this way. I never knew I could fly. Now, for some of you, perhaps, you've never walked this way. You've never known power over sin. Not because you've believed a lie, but maybe because you've never truly been born again. But some of you are truly born again, and you need to begin standing on the truth of God's word with regard, to, with regard to who you are in Messiah Yeshua. And when sin marches in your door, you look at it and say, Be gone. You're a liar. I have nothing to do with you. You have nothing to do with me. You have nothing to offer me that I want. Because I am a new creation in Messiah Yeshua. So Paul says in Romans 
and don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness, of the righteousness of God, to God. Paul says, stop sinning. What benefit did you get from these things? Absolutely none. What benefit has anyone ever derived from being outside of the will of God? None whatsoever. So Paul says, stop doing it. Stop presenting your bodies as instruments of unrighteousness. You know, I've heard self-proclaimed believers say, well, I can't help it. That's who I am. No, it's not. If you are a Yeshua follower, it's not who you are. And if it is, you're not a true believer. This is what Yeshua was saying in John 5.15. So is this what he says? In 5.15, does Yeshua say, I'm the vine and you need to try to be a branch? No, that's not what he says. Look at John 5.15. I am the vine. You are the branches. You are the branch. Stop trying to be something else. Start living like the branch that you are. Romans 6.13. But present yourself to God as those alive from the dead. Because in Messiah, this is who you are. You're alive from the dead. Grasp this reality. You put this on the overhead. Ultimately, there's only two realms. Either you're in the flesh, which is death, you're lost. Or you're in the spirit, which is life. Either you're in Adam or you're in Yeshua, the second Adam. As a believer, you, you cannot be happy offering yourself to this world to unrighteousness because you are no longer an unrighteous creature. You're recreated in the image of God in true righteousness. Romans uh, 12.1, present your bodies to God, a living and holy sacrifice. Please unto God, this is true worship. Present yourselves to God, offer yourselves to God. Now in the Bible, anything that was ever presented to God or offered to God had to be absolutely perfect. So how can you present yourself to Him? Because none of us meet this standard. I heard a preacher sharing the gospel with somebody recently. The listener says, well, what do I have to do to go to heaven? And the preacher says, oh, that's easy. You simply have to be absolutely, 100%, morally perfect, all the time, just like God. And the guy said, what? And the preacher said, oh, I'm sorry, let me, let me say that again, different way. In order to be with God in heaven, you just have to be absolutely, morally perfect, with no sin at all, completely righteous, like God is righteous. And the listener says, wait a minute, no one's like that. And the preacher says, yeah, you're right. Can we talk now? Here's what you need to see. In Messiah, you are that. Because his spirit lives in you. And God is now your father. I'm not saying when you become a believer, you become perfectly righteous. But what I am saying is this. When you become a believer, Yeshua's righteousness is imputed to you. When you surrendered your life to him, as Yeshua is your Lord, you're declared legally righteous before God in Messiah. And if you're in Messiah, that's who you are now. Let me put this on the overhead. We, as fallen men and fallen women, we've got two problems. Number one, we're under the condemnation of sin. Number two, we're under the power of sin. When Yeshua died on that tree for you and rose again from the dead, and when you repented and trusted in Yeshua, the condemnation of sin was removed from you. You are righteous in Him, accepted in Him. Your condemnation is removed. There's now no condemnation for those in Messiah Yeshua. 
However, you still have a slavery to sin problem. But here's the good news. Regeneration removes the power of sin, the slavery of sin over your life. We need to rediscover and then walk in and live out this biblical doctrine of regeneration, which has been lost by so much of the body of Messiah today. When I turn from my sin, and I turn from myself, and I turn to Yeshua, and trust in His death and resurrection for me, I am justified and made righteous, and now there's no condemnation. But since I'm also now filled with His Spirit, uh, I'm also now no, no longer a slave to sin. Because His Spirit has regenerated my heart, regenerated my life, made me a new creation, and I have a new nature, and I can therefore walk in newness of life. Hallelujah! And so now both my problems, condemnation, this condemnation of sin and the power of sin, are taken care of in Messiah Yeshua. That's the gospel that we must rediscover today. I'm not saying there's no longer a struggle with sin. Let me put this on the overhead. I am saying this. There's a difference between a struggle with sin and a slavery to sin. Romans 6, 1 to 2 again. What shall we say? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Let me close with this illustration. Imagine you're a physics major in the hardest physics course in the university. It's the last day of class, so you're ready for the final exam, or hope you're ready. You and your fellow students are all trembling. The professor walks in and says, you've been through every physics course in this university. Uh, this is the last one. Uh, you've done well. I'm going to give you all an A. Now let's just spend the rest of the time discussing and enjoying this, this material. And all the students spend the next two hours discussing and enjoying and loving physics. Here's the second scenario. Same students, they love physics, it's their life. But now there's also a bunch of math majors in the same class. They hate physics, but they have to take it as, as part of their major. Professor walks in again, says, you all have an A in the course. Let's just discuss and enjoy the material. Physics majors say, we got an A? You mean, we can now just study and discuss it and enjoy this stuff for fun? We can just pour our minds into this and uh, don't worry about any bad grades? We can just enjoy this material, uh, stay up all night thinking about physics, talking about the textbook, everything that's in the textbook, hallelujah! The math majors have a bit different reaction. They say, we've got an A in this terrible class. They all cheer and they walk out. And they throw their physics books in the trash can. <laughs> That's the difference between a truly born-again believer and a carnal, wicked, lost sinner who happens to be a member of a church or a synagogue or a congregation. And we got lots of those in America today. We got an A. It's all grace. Okay, great, let's sin. Let's continue to do all these sinful things that we really love. We don't care about discipleship. We don't care about keeping Messiah's commands, following him, giving our life away for his sake. No. Rather, it's we got it made. We got our A. We got our, our ticket to heaven. Let's avoid Yeshua now at all costs. Throw him in the trash can. But the true believer says, we've got it made. Yeshua did all this for me. Let me follow him all the days of my life. And sing his praises. Let me more and more know him.
and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering. Let me press on to know Yeshua more and more, and preach his gospel to all peoples. What a joy you've got in A. Let's enjoy the material. What time's the next Bible study? When's the next prayer meeting? When are you going to go out soul winning? Let's have a family devotional here at home tonight. That's the regenerated heart of a born-again believer. I pray it to your heart today. Amen. Let's stand and pray. I want the music team please to come on up. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are in the business of making dead bones alive. I've taken even us, fallen and wicked and carnal, and, and, and absorbed with ourselves, dead in our trespasses and sins, and supernaturally breathing new life, your life, into us, which you receive through turning from our sin and turning from ourself and turning to your Son, Messiah Yeshua, who died for our sins on the tree and rose again to new life. Thank you, Lord, for the supernatural work of regeneration, whereby we are born again with a new creation, with a new nature, and a new heart, and a new spirit, and a new life. Thank you for sprinkling us with the blood of Yeshua, for giving us a new heart and putting a new spirit in us, for removing our heart of stone, giving us a heart of flesh. Thank you for indwelling us with your Holy Spirit, that we may obey your laws. Thank you, Lord, for the amazing reality that if we're in Messiah Yeshua, we're new creations. The old has passed away. The new has come. Help us to live in this reality of who we really are. Help us to flee from sin, knowing that both the condemnation of sin and the power of sin has been broken by the blood of the Lamb. How shall we respond then to your amazing grace? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. May it never be. How shall we who, who died to sin still live in it? Lord, since we've been buried with you through baptism and to death, help us to now walk in newness of resurrection life. Lord, help us to consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to you in Messiah Yeshua. For we pray all these things in your name, Yeshua, B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.